0: Good morning, Cathedral of Faith family and friends. (laughs) It is such a joy to be in the house of the Lord. Why don't we stand? You know that God can change your every situation just like that. And today He's gonna turn your morning into dancing. We're gonna dance some shackles off. Are you ready? Let's lift up our hands and let's worship the Lord.
1: (laughs) God is good and all the time. says as the mountains surround Jerusalem so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever and Psalms 32:7 says you are my hiding place you preserve me from trouble you surround me with songs of deliverance how great is our God that even in the midst of a pandemic we are surrounded by his love by his protection. And so I just like to encourage anyone out there who feels like they are in a valley, who feels like they're in the presence of enemies, know that you are in the presence of the almighty God and he surrounds you. And there is nothing greater than our God, no trouble, nothing on this earth or anywhere else. And so know, that His love is always with you and that He fights your battles. Amen? Let's lift our hands and worship Him today. If you feel comfortable, just sing out to the Lord.
0: There's a table. i
2: an incredibly powerful truth. It might look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you. I don't know what you feel like you're surrounded by today. Maybe there's some emotional issues you're dealing with Maybe there's some health issues you're dealing with. Maybe there's some mental battles you're dealing with. Maybe some social issues you're struggling with. Maybe you've got financial issues working. Maybe it's relational issues that are surrounding you. Or it could be a spiritual battle of some kind, or maybe even political issues. I don't know what you're surrounded by. I don't know what it is that you're feeling hemmed in by. But here's the truth. God is in control. God is in control. And whatever emotional battles or spiritual battles or political battles, whatever you're dealing with, God says, I'm in control. Because you know the truth? Jesus is beside you. Jesus is around you. Jesus is above you. Jesus is for you. Jesus is in you. He's fighting your battles for you. And that song gave us the powerful truth. This is how I fight. My weapons are praise and thanksgiving. So let's just one more time take this opportunity to lift praise, to lift thanksgiving as Jesus fights the battle for us. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, you know every person in this room, you know every person around this campus, you know all those around the world that are watching right now, you know their battles. But Lord, let something go deep in their heart that they would know that they know that they know you are in control. You are with them. You have not finished your purposes yet. Put that faith and hope in our hearts. Yes, there are great days ahead, but there are great days now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. One more time, give him thanks and praise. Hallelujah. Well, welcome to Cathedral of Faith. We're so glad that you're here with us again. Whether you're online, whether you're around the campus in the amphitheater, out in the car, and those of you in the sanctuary, it's great to be together as the family of God today. This is a place where everyone is welcome, welcome, where the love is, where nobody is, and where anything is possible. Let's do that one more time. Anything is possible because our God is in control amen well we're so glad you're here with us I invite you as you're being seated to turn someone say God is in control well we are a family here at Cathedral of Faith and we welcome you to our family we welcome you to all that God is doing and one of the scriptures that we read says this that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. And I know there have been many of us over the last weeks, the last two years, who've lost many friends and loved ones. And we have lost a dear couple here at Cathedral of Faith. Carlos and Emily Amesqua both went to be with the Lord within two days of each other. And this coming Saturday, March 12th, we're gonna be celebrating their lives. They've been part of this church family for decades and decades and decades, faithfully serving, teaching, leading, introducing people to Christ. They were a phenomenal blessing and we invite you to join us this week as we celebrate their lives and celebrate what God has been doing in them. We are a family and that family is here at Cathedral. That family is also every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ all around the world. And right now, some of our brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine are struggling. As you know, we have campuses all over the Bay Area, but we also have campuses around the world. And one of our great partners is Pastor Guy Satili, who's in Italy, with Italy for Christ. He's prepared a little video for us to let us know what they're doing and sort of invite us to be part of this season.
3: Dear Italy for Christ family, the Western world here in Europe has come to an unprecedented crisis. The kingdom of this world is showing its true colors. Ukraine and Europe, Western Europe is under siege. When families are forcefully separated and our Christian values Crushed without any shame. Each one of us is asking, what are we going to do about We moved right away. As soon as the life of so many Ukrainians was changing. the matter of hours, we were right there in Poland, in Romania, in Moldova with our partners, of course. We were sending out trucks with food load of food and first aid necessities. We were able to shelter already. So many families, mothers with the kids, we are preparing here in Italy. Christian families just organizing themselves to host all these mothers and kids coming over as refugees. What I'm asking you is, this is too big of a challenge to be faced alone. We need your help. We need you to invest spiritually Spiritually, that's the most important thing. Nothing can be done without prayer. So let's pray. But also, let's give whatever we can in order to meet the needs of this crisis, in order to use this crisis for the glory of God. That was Jesus' attitude. When there was a problem, he used to say, this is for the glory of God. This is to show the glory and the power of God. The question is, If not now, when? If not you and me, who's gonna do it? You see, we're part of the same family. We are your extension. We are together for the glory of God. So I'm asking you right now to pray for, consider, to invest in Italy for Christ as we use everything and invest everything to all of our partners so that uh, we can see the glory of God and use this crisis for the best, for the salvation of the world. From Rome, Italy, Guy, and the Italy for Christ team.
4: Well, good morning, Cathedral of Faith. How many are gonna be praying for the people of Ukraine? Pray for the peace and protection. Over 1.5 million people, they're saying, are evacuating Ukraine and going to neighboring countries. That's like all of San Jose and some of our neighboring towns saying, hey, you guys got to leave today to go to Sacramento. So how many, so two things. One, you're going to pray. How many are going to pray? Raise your hands. We're going to pray that God's peace will prevail. And then two, give. God's given us a unique opportunity to make a, a big difference by linking us with Guy and all his networks of churches and pastors and ministries that are throughout all the neighboring countries. As a matter of fact, I got a video from Guy today that they already have six big semi-trailers going loaded with food, blankets, and medicine going into Ukraine, because you know, it's freezing temperatures in Ukraine right now. So we wanna give you an opportunity to do something today and tell you how you can make a difference. And i want to ask everybody to go to the second mile, well, even if it's a dollar or 50 cents, whatever you can do to help make a difference. We're sending it to guy, so he can get the resources that are necessary. Uh, if you give online, you can do the drop down. Uh, it says support Ukraine. If you give normally, like here at the end of service, you can just uh, write on your envelope, this is for Ukraine, and we're gonna send it to there. And we're believing as a church that we're gonna send over $20,000 this week, uh, that God's gonna provide that, so we can help make a difference in the lives and I know personally, I'm giving $1,000, so that's only 19,000 more. How many of you are going to believe that God is going to answer our prayer? Amen? Let's give God praise in advance. God, thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for choosing us to help make a difference in the people in Ukraine. So thank you to all the church family. Again, you are the most amazing family in all the world, how you give of your time and your talent and your resources to help. That's not only blessed the people in the Bay Area, but around the world through your giving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, God has certainly blessed our church family with some of the best staff ever. And two of the unsung superheroes here at Cathedral Faith, I'm gonna invite them up to the stage, uh, Leon Sprock and Cheryl Sprock. Many of you probably have hardly ever seen them, but you enjoy the benefits of their labor. They take care of over 170,000 square feet here on campus. Leon was our back, they came to us back in 1983. They were just about teenagers back then. Leon was our facilities director. Cheryl heads up all the janitorial services. Leon retired uh, just six years ago at the young age of 80. So appreciate him, but everything. Their heart is for the heart of God. Their vision is for when anybody comes on campus, they will see God's presence. They will experience God's excellence. And how many know when you drive onto this campus, when you look around, you go into the restrooms, everything looks first class, and it's because of their vision that this has happened. I'm gonna invite everyone to stand because they do deserve a standing ovation. Serving almost 40 years of giving their lives. When they first came, we had about 5,000 activities, classes, and events. Now it's about 115,000 a year. Over 2 million classes, activities, and events that you help make possible. And not only, you know, they don't just work 8 to 5, they actually live here 24 7 for nearly 39 years of committing their lives, their whole family. and God's called this in the next season they're going to be moving to Tampa Bay to be with family to, to for that next chapter but i just want to say personally not only have they been a blessing to all of you but to our family my mom and dad to me my brother how they've just served us amazingly They've been there for my parents in their dark days, and my mom literally almost died. She would have died twice if it wasn't for Cheryl being at the bedside knowing, hey, we gotta call 911. So we will miss you, you will forever be in our hearts, and uh, I'm gonna ask Dr. Wayne to just speak a blessing on you, and again, thank you on behalf of all the Cathedral Faith family for all that you've done. I told them when I get to heaven, I get to hope to live in their small room in their huge mansion. So I'm going to ask Dr. Wayne and all of you to pray for Leon and Cheryl as they start this new chapter in their life.
2: You know, as Kurt said, one of the beautiful things about this campus is Leon and Cheryl make it pop. P.O.P. means pride of place. They care for this place. And as Kurt said, they they live here, but... They go so far above beyond. There are hundreds of times I've been driving on or off this campus and there they are picking up your trash that you threw down on the way out from your car, picking up trash that blew in from the light rail. I, every day they're out there picking up trash. So I need to tell you, we need all of you to step because it's gonna take all of you to make up for what they're not gonna be doing. So when you see trash out there, you pick it up, okay? And I I want you to join with me now. Let's point our hands towards them as we declare God's blessing over their life. Lord, it's interesting because when we think about heaven and streets of gold, we don't think about trash and litter and junk laying around. We think about a clean, holy, special place. And this couple has worked to make this a piece of heaven by removing trash, by cleaning up messes, by scraping up gum, by caring for this facility and caring for this holy ground. Thank you for the way they have dedicated themselves to you and to us and to your purposes. Thank you that when people walk on this campus and see the beauty, it's because they've been so faithful. And Lord, because they've been faithful, we ask you to continue to work in them in this next season. Strengthen them, encourage them, watch over them, bless this transition to Florida. And Lord, I just pray health and strength and favor and life, new relationships, new opportunities, new days of blessing in their life. Thank you for the incredible example that they are. We know a little bit more about what you're like. You stoop down, you reach down, You went beyond, you humbled yourself, you made sure, just like they have, that this place honors and glorifies God. May your glory be great upon them. May your strength fill them, that as their days, so shall their strength be. And Lord, as Kurt said, we're just so humbled by the way they cared for your servants, Kenny and Shirley. What an incredible blessing. Bless them, Lord. Bless them. Bless them. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. So again, let me remind you, all of you are now commissioned as trash picker uppers on campus. Don't walk by pieces of paper. Don't walk by cups. Especially don't throw them down yourself. As we continue, let this be a place that glorifies God by its beauty. So as you're being seated, turn to somebody and say, I am ready. And I hope what you're ready for is what God's going to do in these next moments as Pastor Ken comes to lead us in this new wonderful series called Ashes to Beauty to prepare our hearts, Jessica Johnson's coming to remind us what the center is, remind us what most important is, remind us who's fighting our battles. It's Jesus. Are you
0: past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to care? Me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. so you feel that Him to feel Her shame's on all this dealing, and you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh, He makes a way.
5: Hello Cathedral family, God is good and all the time. It's so great to see you, it really is. Whether you're here on site, in the building, out in the amphitheater, in the parking lot, or whether you're part of our online campus, it's so good to have you with us today because, well, we start a new journey toward Easter. I'm calling it From Ashes to Beauty. You know, last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday and what would it look like if we brought the ashes of our lives during Lenten season and allow God to bring something beautiful out of it. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse three, we find this, that he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, and festive praise instead of despair. Can somebody say amen to that? In fact, I invite you to make this your declaration. Own it, believe it, that during this season, Can we bring that verse up one more time? I want us to say it together. Isaiah 61, verse three. Everybody, I invite you. He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. Thank you, God. We believe it. We declare it. And all God's people said, Let's give God praise for what he's gonna do during this series, amen. It starts with bringing our ashes to him. How exactly does God bring beauty out of ashes? That's what we're gonna think about in this new series. When it comes to rising from the ashes, you may have heard of a a bird in ancient mythology called the phoenix. And this bird from that ancient, Ancient mythology, when the bird was about to die, it would be brought to the fire and reduced to ashes. But then, out of those ashes, this bird would come rising back up again. And even today, the phoenix has become such a powerful symbol for rising from the ashes. It's in our movies, it's in our music, it's on city flags any time there's a need to rise up from the ashes. In fact, even the early Christians saw the power of this symbol and used it to speak of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That when Jesus was put to death on the cross, it was a dark day. Boy, the earth shook with horror and the sun went and hid its face. And it looked like everything about Jesus and his mission had been reduced to rubble, reduced to ashes. But then when Jesus steps out of the tomb on the third day, he comes rising out of the ashes and reigns forever and forever. Can we give him praise? Hallelujah! (laughs) So what would it look like? What would it look like if we were to bring our ashes to God, and to see beauty come out of those ashes, can you see yourself, can you see yourself rising up from the ashes? Well, today I want you to think about a story that we find in the Bible, and have you ever been embarrassed? I mean, really embarrassed. I'm going to tell you a story, I've never told this in public, and actually only a small circle of people know this about me, but I think that the statute of limitations is up, so I'm going to go ahead and share that with you today, because we're family here at Cathedral. When I was 12 years old, look at me, at 12 years old, I was so cute, (laughs) and sweet, and innocent, or so it seems. At 12 years old, me and the neighborhood buddies decide that we're gonna bring in our teen years with a bang. So we come up with a plan that we're gonna go to the local grocery store and we're gonna steal some beer. (laughs) Now, I hadn't even had a beer at that point in my life. But we're gonna do our own version of smash and grab. So we we go to the grocery store and we walk in nonchalantly. We all have big jackets on. We make our way to the beer aisle, and we take a beer, each of us, and we put it under our jackets. And then we walk nonchalantly back to the door, and guess who's waiting for us? The manager and his team. And so they stop us, and they take us into the manager's office, and he gives us a good talking to, and then he tells us, well, I'm not gonna call the police, whoo but I am going to call your parents, which is worse. But for some reason, thanks be to God, he could not reach my parents. Can somebody give God praise for his grace in that moment? Oh, God, I'm still thankful. Still thankful. (laughs) Well, that experience, I got to tell you, to get caught red-handed, Even now, when I think about it, it was so embarrassing. Even more than being embarrassed, it was, I felt ashamed. I really did. In fact, that one experience, it ended my life in crime because frankly, I don't look good in stripes. (laughs) See, it's one thing to be embarrassed, but when the embarrassment involves deep shame, As you look back on your life, is there something, something in your past, some failure, mistake, sin? Looking back, boy, you were more than embarrassed. You were ashamed. And even now, today, it still causes you pain. I wanna look at a story in the Bible, and it involves a person who deals with embarrassment and shame. It starts with what I call a setup. You can find this story in John chapter eight. That Jesus is teaching in the temple. And as he's teaching in the temple, someone interrupts his sermon. These guys bring a lady down. The only thing she has on is the the sheet from the bed that they pulled her out of. And they throw her down in front of the church and they ask Jesus, they say, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? Can you imagine being being this lady? You were brought down half naked in front of the church for everybody to see your shame and guys have rocks in their hands and you just may lose your life. She was naked and afraid and ashamed. And to make matters worse, this thing was all a trap. Look at what John chapter eight Verse six says, it says they were trying to trap Jesus into saying something they could use against him. They were using this lady as a pawn and not a person. They had set this whole thing up. I mean, how do you catch a lady in the act? Was the NSA involved? (laughs) I mean, they caught her in the very This whole thing had been set up. I mean, where was the man? Last time I checked, it takes two to tango. Hello. (laughs) So was the guy in on the setup that they had set up the situation so they could catch Jesus in a trap? See, they wanted to, well, these guys, you know, it's it's interesting that there are what I call sins of the spirit, the sins of the flesh and sins of the spirit, two kinds of sins. Sins of the flesh, this is what we see with the woman who's caught in the act of adultery. And sins of the flesh are easy to see. They are, you can see them. Sins of the spirit though, they're harder to see. And they may even be worse. C.S. Lewis, my favorite writer, he puts it this way. He says, there are two things inside me, the animal self and the diabolical self. The diabolical self is the worst of the two. The things that everybody else can't see. See, in this story we have, well, the animal self is seen in the lady who's ashamed. The diabolical self is seen in these men and the setup. Let me ask you a question, where do you see yourself in that story? So here they are and the situation is so shameful. It's so shameful. They're trying to put Jesus between a rock and a hard place. See if Jesus says yes to the stoning, how can he be a friend of sinners? But if he says no to the stoning, they'll accuse him of being soft on sin. So they're trying to catch Jesus in a trap. They've used this lady as a pawn and not a person. That's diabolical. The whole thing just stinks to high heaven. The whole thing is shameful. What would Jesus do in the middle, in the middle of all this shame? And if you're comfortable doing this, Let's get interactive. If you'll just take your hands and put them like this to drive the point home and then bring them like this and then do this right here. And what is this? Timeout. That's what Jesus does. He calls a timeout. The Bible says in that moment Jesus bent down and started to write something on the ground with his finger. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Now the basketball coach for the warrior, Steve Kerr, when he's a really smart coach, and so when the other team is seeming to have momentum, what he'll do is he'll call a timeout. He'll call it to try to take away some of that momentum and we'll take some of the wind out of their sails. And in a sense, that's what Jesus does. These guys are rock and rolling. And what he does is he kneels down to the ground. He calls a timeout. Now what exactly was Jesus writing? We don't know. I saw this one comic and it said this, it said, what Jesus actually wrote in the sand when he was dealing with the Pharisees, Jesus was here. I don't think that's exactly what he wrote in the sand. We don't really know what he was writing in the sand. It's the only time in the Bible that we see Jesus writing and we don't even know what that writing is, but we do see that he's down on the ground and that's where Jesus always seems to meet us. He comes all the way down from heaven to earth, all the way down to a stable, all the way down to the cross. He always meets us right where we're at so we can get to where we need to be. And when you're down on the ground, and maybe that's where you feel this weekend, you're feeling really low. If you look beside you, you know who else is there? Jesus is with you. And Jesus is for you. He'll meet you where you're at so he can get you back up on your feet again. He meets that woman down on the ground right where she's at and now the attention has shifted, it's shifted away from the moment and everybody's locked in on Jesus. What's he doing? What's he writing? What's he gonna say? The guys are pestering him, come on man, we need an answer. Finally, when Jesus is good and ready, he stands up, dusts off his hands, and he says this. He says, if any of you have never sinned, then go ahead, and throw the first stone at her. Uh-oh. And at that point, everybody freezes. Because they know each other. And they know none of them are perfect. I saw a description of the perfect man. And it read this way. He wakes up at every, five every day. Exercises every day, makes his own bed, cleans his room, works sincerely, does not do drugs, helps in the kitchen, does not indulge in nightlife, is always punctual, prays daily, hits the bed at 9 p.m. sharp. Such a perfect man can only be found in jail. (laughs) There's that crime thing again. (laughs) Man, they know each other. They know. And so one by one, they start dropping the rocks. You know, the older guys first, because the older ones know they've had more time to sin. Then the younger guys, they start dropping their rocks. We read about that in John chapter eight, verse nine. It says, when the accusers heard this, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, until they were all gone. And now it's just Jesus. And this woman, what happens next? Jesus starts to silence those voices of accusation. He stood up straight and said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She replied, no, Lord. And he said, I do not condemn you either. Can we give God praise? Amen. I do not condemn you either. When Jesus spoke to her, his first word to her was woman. He didn't call her harlot or whore or slut. Instead he calls her a word. It's the same word that he would use to address his own mother at the cross. Woman. What's he doing? He's treating her with respect. He's lifting her head. He's raising her dignity. But Jesus, you know, it's interesting how in uh, the communist government over in China, they've established a textbook for use in their local high schools. And they include this passage that we just read in John chapter eight. But they've revised it. And the passage goes like this, that Jesus said to the woman, well, the law must be enforced. And Jesus went on to stone her himself. Isn't that interesting? Of course, Jesus was the only one, if you think about it. He was the only one, the only one who had the right to throw that rock. He was the only one who would never sinned. And yet, instead of Jesus hitting her, later on on the cross, he would take the hit for her. That's what is known as substitutionary atonement. It's a big word to describe what Jesus did on the cross, that somehow on the cross, Jesus took my place, and he suffered the penalty for my sin. Yeah, let's give him praise, amen. Amen. The penalty for my sin, instead of me taking the hit, Jesus takes the hit for me, and that is why I can be free. I really can. I can be free from guilt and shame. I can be free, and so can you. And perhaps this weekend, boy, when it comes to those voices of accusation, I saw this one mug. See if anybody can identify with this. It said, my mother is a travel agent for guilt trips. (laughs) And I don't know what kind of voice you hear in your head. Maybe it's your mom's voice who's always accusing. Maybe it's voices like those men in the story, always accusing and condemning. Maybe it's your own voice. You just can't get out of your own head. You're always condemning yourself, always condemning yourself. Or maybe it's the voice of our enemy, the devil. Did you know in Revelation, he's described as an accuser. He said, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Accusation after accusation After accusation, after accusation, day and night, how can we silence that voice? Well, think of it this way when you start to hear these voices of accusation, fail, goodbye, no, 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 loser, and those voices are gonna show up, up. you may not be able to stop them from showing up. You may not be able to stop the enemy from moving his mouth. But what you can do is you can tune in to another voice. And you can turn up the sound of another voice. And make that other voice loud. And that other voice has a way of silencing the accusation. Amen. Turn into the voice of God. Turn into the voice of grace. Let that other voice be in your thoughts and in your heart. Romans chapter eight, verse 34 says, who then, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah. (laughs) Tune into that voice. Tune into that voice. And that brings us to kinda the final movement in the story. And that Jesus gives her a picture of a better future. He says to the woman, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Would you say that with me? Go and sin no more. What's Jesus doing? He's giving her a vision that her life can be different. You don't have to be locked into your history. You can pursue your destiny. You can see past your past and embrace a better future. Even though she was set up, Jesus doesn't treat her as a powerless victim. Instead, she still has the power to choose. And by the grace of God, she has greater power to choose a better future for her. Jesus gives her a vision of what her future can really be like. You don't have to live in ashes. Instead, I can take you a place of beauty. So let me ask you a question. Let's pause for a moment as we begin this Lenten season. Is there a space in your life, deep down, that is in ashes? Is there a space that, boy, you know yourself, You just say, man, it's just ugly. It's just ugly. What kind of vision for these next 40 days does God want to give you of beauty coming out of those ashes? Every once in a while, I'll give a a cathedral challenge for the week. This week, instead of a seven-day challenge, I wanna give you a challenge. All you have to do is do this one day. I'm gonna invite you to join me. You know, you may know that we have a dog. He's an Irish wolfhound, his name is Angus. And he's 10 months old and he's 170 pounds. Imagine having a 170 pound toddler in your home. And you can see my wife here, she's trying to, well, she's trying to, yeah, she's trying to eat breakfast and there he is trying to get a hold of the breakfast. Every morning, well just about, not every morning, just about every morning I take Angus out for a walk or I should say he takes me out for a walk. And as we're walking, we go early and I'll look over the hills and I'll start to see the sun come up. And as the sun is rising, I'm reminded in a profound spiritual way, it's a new dawn. It's a new day. I'm rising up too. And I invite you one day this week to get up early enough to watch the sun and as it comes up, get a compelling vision of your future. Even as the sun is rising, I am rising up too. I am rising up out of the ashes on my way to beauty. And all God's people said, yes. Can we give God praise? I believe that's gonna happen. I'm believing that for you and believing it for me. I really am. I really am. No, there, there was a book that was made into a play and the play was made into a movie. And if you saw the movie, it was called Les Miserables. And in the movie, there is an ex-con. Here's that criminal thing again. There's an ex-con that gets out of jail and goes to live with a priest. And one night he steals a bunch of the priest's stuff and he tries to run away. But what happens is before the priest even knows about it, the police catch him, bring him back to the house. And... The priest says something to him, and, well, instead of me telling you about it, watch the screens. You can see it for yourself.
0: Get in there!
2: Put it down! Stay there! Monsignor, we have your silver. We caught this man red-handed. He had the nerve to say you gave him this. That is right. But my friend,
0: you left so early, surely something slipped your mind. You forgot. I gave these also. Would you leave the best behind?
3: Monsieur, release them. This man has spoken true. I commend
0: you for your duty. Now God's blessing go with you. But remember this, my brother. See in this some higher plan. You must use this precious silver to become... An honest man By the witness of the martyrs By the passion and the blood God has raised you out of darkness I have saved your soul for
5: That's the power of a compelling vision, a higher purpose, ashes to beauty. I'm gonna invite you to stand wherever you're at as we prepare to receive communion together. Take the elements, hold them in your hands. As we come to the Lord's table, there was a song. You know, We're gonna bring our ashes to Jesus at the table our ugliness to Jesus at the table and allow him to exchange it for his beauty. There was a song that my dad used to sing years ago. If I heard him sing it one time, I heard him sing it a thousand times. And the song was called Something Beautiful. And if you know the song, I invite you to sing it with me. If you don't know it first time through, you can join with me in the second time through. But as we prepare to receive communion together, even if you don't want to sing, just focus your heart on Christ that he will make something beautiful in our lives over these next 40 days. And something beautiful, something good, all my confusion, He understood all I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. Sing it one more time with me. Amen. Something beautiful. Some. Jesus, thank you for your body and your blood. You gave your life so that we could have life. And today we eat in faith. We bring our ashes to you and we declare that beauty is on its way. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory, let's eat of the bread of Christ together. now drink in drink in the beauty of Christ from the cup of Christ thank you Lord thank you Lord I invite you now to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray mean it with all your heart it's called the Lord's Prayer everybody say it with me our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and forever. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, I'm rising up. Say that with me, I'm rising up. Own that for you during this Lenten season. If you need prayer, our team will be down here to pray with you and for you right after service. And then also, we've got a new space out by the amphitheater. If you're new to the church, I'd love to get a chance to meet you one-on-one, so I'll be out at that space just behind the amphitheater. Thanks again for being here today. I'm so excited about the Easter season. We have other things that we're gonna be rolling out every weekend, so uh, we're very excited about what God's putting together for this season. It's so good to see you. I love you, Cathedral family. Let me speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And this week, especially this week, may you see beauty beginning to come out of those ashes. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray, all God's people said, Amen. Have an awesome day.